talk to you today, branching off of what I talked about in the first service. I want to combine two, two streams of thought here today, if you'll give me that time. First service, I, I, I ran it really close. This service, I'm not going to, if I preach like I feel, you will need your headlights when you start home. Because <laughs> my heart's full about these things. But I want to talk about what happens when God is first. Everybody say first. first. What happens when God is first? And I want to tie that into, shall I say it like this, the real reason why I think Jesus came to planet Earth. The real reason. I know that there's this big theological thing. Well, he came that so we had to be saved, but just bear with me a minute as we kind of walk through this. Uh, first scripture that I want to point out to you is in the book of Genesis, and it's Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Now, if you'll allow me to relate a story and tell you where it is found and begin weaving these things together. I love God's word that you can, it's like a tapestry. You can pick up this thread and if you know about that, you can weave it this way and you, you weave it that way. And I have to tell you, you, can't not, you cannot imagine the benefit of 40 years of studying God's word. I, I can't, I'm not trying to brag on me or anybody else, but I used to wonder how older, older preachers could take, take this scripture and by the time they were done, you understood how it fit that scripture and then where it went here. And I'm thinking, man, they really studied hard this week. But it dawned on me, you don't get things like that in a week. Am I right, Pastor? You know how that happens? Slowly by slowly. Bit by bit, revelation comes to you and then you'll finally have an aha moment. And I want to share a couple of those with you today so you don't have to study 40 years to get it. It's only one of two ways. You can get it, well, three ways. God can come down with an angel and just tell you something. Or you can spend a lot of time and study and it, it, it get imprinted in your brain. Or you can listen to me our Pastor Rich, and you get the benefit. Pastor Rich, how many years you've been preaching? Over 50. And I'm only at 40, I think 45. He is very much my elder. <laughs> but you, can you imagine decades and I want to just share that with you. Not, I don't want to wow you with something. I want to help you understand something. Uh, two, con two concepts we're going to talk about. Uh, when God is first, what happens in your life when you put God first? And the real reason why Jesus came to earth. And they kind of play in together. Uh, when God is first is a simple statement about the fact that in most people's lives, God is relegated to the also ran list. You know, he's, 
They didn't. They don't make the top of the list, but well, he's in there because we do love him and we go to church and all that. But if you can radically come to a point where everything you do, you're putting God first in that process. It doesn't take much of a shift in your life for that to happen. In the Old Testament, they had a thing called first fruits. They were because they were an agrarian society. It was quite easy for that to be implemented, and you would see it. In fact, as I was growing up, I saw it quite often in the church. Somebody would bring my grandfather, who was the pastor, would bring him a, a sack of two or three apples, sometimes just one apple. And uh, I, I, sometimes it was written on it. Other times uh, my grandpa would say, look, I got one. You, you, you want to have it? And I learned that it was first fruits, which means the first apple that ripened on the apple trees behind their house, they took note and watched for it. And as soon as they collected it, before, everybody say before, before they started making apple butter, before they started making peach jam, whatever it is they would make out of these, before they did any of that, they made sure that they took the first one and brought it to the house of the Lord and gave it to the ministry to be used. And they really didn't care how it was used. If you got a hungry family, feed them. If you got a hungry grandson, let him eat it. Doesn't matter. It's just the principle of we want to put God first in every area of our life. I'll tell you a little secret. If you put God first, he puts you first. You get to jump line. You'll have things happen in your life that other people are saying, wait a minute, I'm doing the same things that they do and I'm not getting the same reward. One of the reasons that that has, we lost emphasis on it is because our agrarian society, we don't have the necessity, we don't, we don't have many, don't really have many apple trees in our yard. In those days, they would, even with their wheat, they would take a certain measure of their wheat and bring it to the priest, and it was the beginning of the harvest. They wouldn't wait until it was over and just take a few ragtag pieces to them. It was at the beginning. When you put God first, when you put God at the beginning, God will put you at the beginning of things. If, if you can understand that, let's talk about it in a way that I think you'll get it. I need uh, 10, one, I need, I started to say 10 $100 bills. That'd be nice. But I'll take 10 $1 bills and it, I can demonstrate the same thing. I need, real quick, 10 of you just bring me, uh, 10 of you bring me a dollar bill. Wow, this is a very generous church. Look, I'm just jumping. Here you go, sweet lady. I got one from you right here. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, buddy. He giving me two. Ooh, that's, that's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
You look so pitiful. I'll, I'll take it. Sorry. Ten. Now, the rest of you, you can just give one away to anybody else. As far as these, my grandson thanks you. Now, I, I want to show you something. Talking about putting, everybody say God when God is first. I told you that it, there was a law of first fruits. Even uh, God practiced the law of first fruits. The law of first fruits when it came to the animal kingdom. The first lamb that was born in lambing season. You know what they did? They took it. They sacrificed it to God. Said, This is yours. This belongs to God. Uh, the first calf that was born. They took it. That it was it was given to God. It's kind of easier to track that, but now we don't really have, all we have is dollar bills to track things. But I want to show you a way that you can you can practice and honor the biblical principle of first fruit, even though you don't have an apple tree. And that means you can unlock the blessings. I don't have time today to go into the blessings that are connected to first fruits. Jesus was God's first fruit. He understood that principle and he understood if, if I want the human race saved, I've got to sacrifice my first and my best fruit of my loins. And that was Jesus Christ himself. He was the firstborn among men like that. And God said, I, I know what needs to happen. I'm going to sow him. And he sowed him into planet earth. There's another word for that. He buried him in planet earth. But if it's first fruits, it never stays buried. It comes back to give you harvest. I don't know if you're following me or if I've already lost some of you on the theology train, but I'm going to say that again. When you bury your first fruits in the earth, you think it's gone. No, it's about to sprout and give you a harvest because first fruit is more fertile than anything else. It's got the juice on it, man. So I want to show you something. I want to lay these $10 bills out. Now, uh, I don't know if pastor talked in this service. I, I was taking care of something, but he talked in this service like he did about tithes in the other service. He mentioned it, you know, to something about you should, you need to pay your tithes. And we all know that tithes is how much? Come on, I can't hear you. 10%. So tithes is 10%. And, and yes, God blesses you for your tithes. But I want to show you something. that Of these $10 bills up here, so make sure I got 10 of them now, not too many. One, two, three. You got to lay down, Mr. Mr. George Washington. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I got 10. Okay, so... If I'm going to pay tithes, just, just this, let this represent, uh, you're not a farmer, so I can't say let this represent your corn. Maybe you are. 
Uh, you're not a, uh, uh, you, uh, you don't raise goats. We had a lady in the church in West Monroe, her and her husband raised goats and they sold the milk. And, but they, when it came time for them to call, every spring they would call uh, goats to make sure they didn't have too many uh, because it's hard to take care of that, a few goats anyway. They offered to give me some when I was a kid growing up and my grandfather and my dad both said no because there's no pen built that can keep in a goat. Anybody been around goats? Uh, they are stubborn. So this lady would, when it came time, she didn't just bring us a goat to my dad's house. She and her husband killed the goats and she made some of the most amazing barbecued ribs out of those goats that you have ever thought of. I'm, I'm, let's, let's pray over lunch and dismiss and go with me. When I said that, something jumped on me. Barbecued goat ribs. She, but she would tell us, this is my first fruit. I just wanted to give it to you. Before they ate barbecued ribs for that season, they made sure we, we got some. So under that principle, if there's 10 here. This is your salary. This is your, your intake. As far as tithe goes, any one of these is a tenth. Therefore, any one of them can be your tithes. Maybe it's the one, two, three, four, five. Maybe it's the sixth one. That yeah, you, you, So what that means is you, you first of all, write out the check for, um, uh, for the utilities, and then you pay the house note, and then you pay the car note, and then you pay car insurance. And then you, uh, did I say buy groceries? So you buy your groceries. And uh, you did that. You got the check on Friday and you kind of took care of all those things Saturday. And Sunday comes around and I'm going to give my tithes. And, and you do. You give your tithes. And here it is. But the problem with it, it's, it's not it's number one. It's not number two. It's not number three. It's not number four. It's not number five. It's number six on your list. You following me? Any one of those is tithes, but only one of those is first. Only one is first. And I want to challenge you to ask you to think, what do you think would happen if you just decided to put God first in every area and that you literally, the first check you write, you get paid, it gets deposited, or you deposit it in your, and the first check you write is my tithes, maybe some offering. You write it. Before, you may, you may not can get to church right then. Church may be three days. If you got it on Friday, you got Saturday, at least two days. So, but you tuck it in your billfold and then you go ahead and you take care of the groceries and the car note and this and the that and, and the other. And, but you know what, what I am aware of what happens when you put God first? He takes better care Hold on, I'm not quite ready yet. He takes better care 
of your stewardship of what's left when you put him first. Pastor Rich and I were just talking. Uh, he, he told me he'd never seen it like this when I, when I preached. But he said he's come, you know, he, he comes to the church early in the morning. And he started bringing, he said, God spoke to me, bring me an offering every morning. And it's, it's, it's not about that God needs that money, but it's, a, it's that we need to be able to give. It unlocks something for us. So he, before he would kneel down every morning here at the church, he just laid a $5 bill down there beside him and said, God, that's yours. And it wasn't too long. I'll let him tell you the story of what happened and how God began to use that. But some amazing things happened because every time he got ready to pray in the morning, the first thing he would do is say, God, here's yours. Anybody knows when you're invited to have an audience with the king, always bring a gift for the king. Oh, I'm preaching good. When you put God first, he literally puts you first. And incredible things begin to happen. Now, in, in, booked in terms of what happens when God is first, one of the things that I want to mention to you is... The first, the function, and the, it's one of the first teachings, and it's the function of prayer. I, I hope I've got enough time to squeeze this in because I really wanted, want to do it. You see, the disciples who had been Jesus and followed him almost three and a half years at this point, literally over three years and a few weeks, they made a request to Jesus. They said, Lord, it's in, John, it's in Luke chapter 11. Luke 11, you can read it. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, here's what's interesting. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to pray because that's a different question. Think about it. Lord, teach us how to pray. That's one question. But it's another question when they say, Lord, teach us to pray. If we can ever get the habit of prayer down, we don't need to be told how to pray. There's just a breakthrough. You know what? You know how to pray? Start. Yeah, but I think of so many things that I need to do while I'm praying. Use the devil as your secretary and keep a notepad and a pencil and every thought that comes into your mind as you're prioritizing God, it's the devil being your secretary to make sure that you haven't forgotten about stuff. And so when the devil reminds you, all he's trying to do is distract you, keep you from praying, but when he reminds you of something, you just say, thank you, devil. That'll help me not to forget about it. And you write it down. And I found that once I write that down, I don't have to deal with it anymore. And I can keep praying. I can go back later and take care of those things. Because teach, to be honest, the hard, hardest part, I write books, okay? People say, what is the hardest thing about writing a book? Starting. You want to write a book? 
get a computer, stare at the screen until beads of blood form on your forehead. Now you've started writing. Prayer, the hardest part is actually setting aside the time and saying, I'm going to pray. If you ever do it, suddenly things become easier. As a young man, my dad could not, he said, I can't pray more than just a few minutes. I run out of things to say. My gracious, uh, uh, the, the man who was his mentor was my mentor until he, he passed. He said, there's a very easy way. We have a list of all our missionaries that we support. Why don't you memorize the names of the missionaries? And at 16 years old, he started memorizing the names of the missionaries. And for the entirety of his life, nobody knew that. It wasn't something he shouted from the housetops. But every day when they added some, it got more. It got up into the hundreds. But it was easy for him because he started when he was young. And when he died, he could still list the name of every missionary that, the, that his organization had. But guess what happened? Before he was 36 years old, Pastor Rich, there was a call that came from their headquarters and they said, we have a vacancy for someone to be over the entire missions department. And my dad said, but look, I've only ever worked with young people. Yes, but for some reason, we feel drawn to you very strongly and we can't understand it. When my dad talked it over with his old mentor, he said, I can tell you why. Because you've been praying for missionaries for years. And I'm going to put you in a place where your prayers come true. Sometimes you start praying for things for years before you ever understand how God is going to answer that. Oh, I'm preaching good. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, keep praying. The disciple said, teach us to pray. It's the only time they ever requested a lesson. They didn't request a lesson in raising of the dead. They didn't request a lesson in how to open blind eyes. They didn't request a lesson in uh, making a ship float. They didn't request a lesson of walking on the water. No, none of that. They just said, the only thing we really want is can you teach us to pray? Because they had watched him for three years by now and they connected the dots that after he prays, something happens. How long have you been a Christian and you've never really connected that dot that it's after you pray, something happens? That They turned to Jesus and he taught them and he used that we call it the Lord's Prayer. It actually should have been the disciples' prayer. But here in the last minute or two, I want to I just share with you about five really quick concepts to understand the principle and the power of prayer. Prayer is the authority structure that God set up between heaven and earth. Do you know how they wire a house so that you can have a telephone in it or you can have internet in it and get signals? When God built the universe, he pre-wired a communication system from earth to heaven. That communication system is called prayer. 
And sometimes you wonder why it doesn't work for you. Well, you can have, who has a cell phone? I, I, I didn't bring my, who has a cell phone? Okay, can I borrow your cell phone? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to do anything uh, bad with, no, just, just, just need the phone just for a second. Okay, so you can have a cell phone and still not be able to make a connection. Am I right? You can, you can hold it backwards. That don't work. You cannot have the code. That doesn't work. You can be in an area where you shouldn't be and there's no signal. I've talked to some Christians and they, they say, oh, I was at the bar and I cried out to God. He said, I really couldn't get through. <laughs> and I wanted to tempt him. I'm not sure if it's tr true theology, Pastor Rich, but I wanted to tell him that, you know, your cell phone don't pick up in certain areas. There may be some areas that's hard for you to get through to God. I mean, that kind of works for me. You can have a phone, but... And if the phone is not connected to the network, that didn't, so the communication system is there. Here you go, sir. The communication system is there, but the ability to use it is still left in our hands. It's, it's, it's how we do, it's what we do. And I think if you want me to give you a, an absolute answer, if I studied this, had long enough to study it with you together, I think you would come to the same conclusion I came to. Yes, I know Jesus came to die on the cross and I know about the death and the burial and the, I get that. But what if the whole reason he came was to teach us to pray? I mean, can you give me that as an idea at least that perhaps the whole reason that Jesus came was to teach us to pray so we would know how to make all of that function? and know what to do and how to make it happen. So Jesus, God set up some, some parameters and that they're found. And I, re, I preach very weirdly sometimes. By the time I read my text, I'm, I'm ending and that's where we are right now. It's Genesis 1, 26, where God is speaking in terms of magnanimity of like a, like a lawyer would speak using, using the third person. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule. Everybody say rule. If it's legal for you to write in your Bible or highlight, you should highlight that let them rule part. That is very critical. If you don't understand that, you'll constantly be frustrated with life. He said, let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. Look what God did. He said, let them rule. And he, he went to the deepest possible thing that exists on planet Earth. Do you know there are fish that live so deep in the ocean we still have not ever seen them? And so God went as deep as could possibly be 
And he said, let man have dominion over those fish. Have you ever thought about how we take dominion over fish? I mean, we've gotten to be pretty good at it. You paint some clackety-clack thing that's about this big with hooks hanging over every inch of it. You put some big eyes on it. You put a plastic worm on its tail. And because you have the ability to take dominion over, that means you're, it's, with, it's within your purview to be able to trick fish. They think that's something to eat. When you look at it, it doesn't look like something. Why would you want to eat something with that many hooks on it? But the fish, you throw it out there, start reading about, and he hits, boom, I'm taking dominion, brother. Fishing. And God said, from the fish, and then he went from the lowest thing on the planet to the birds of the air. They have had eagles and vultures get sucked into jet airplane engines at over 50,000 feet high. Think about that. God said, you've got dominion on the, the lowest thing and the highest thing. And what he's saying is, because you have dominion on the lowest and the highest, you have dominion on everything in between. Are, are you feeling it now? And he went to add, in case you didn't get it, add a little further, he said, over the livestock, over the, you know when it's livestock, we call it domesticated. The word domesticate comes from the word dominion or dominate. So we can domesticate a camel. We can domesticate a 2,000-pound horse where a 95-pound woman can get on the back of a 2,000-pound horse and the horse will jump over what she tells it to and jump here and backwards, ride through this, uh, go through a puddle of water. The horse will do whatever she says. Why? Because we have dominion. And if it's a smart horse, it does it really good. And all the other horses that say, I'm, I refuse to be dominated by a 95-pound woman. I'm big and strong. He, he says, yeah, and you have to stand out under the tree while it's raining. And you have to find your own food. But me, they bring food to me three times a day and put a roof over my head. We take good care of those animals that we've been able to domesticate. Am I right? He said, and in case I missed anything, anything that crawls on the ground. These words are critical when you understand the principle of prayer because they define the relationship of the cre that the creator intended and desired with man and planet earth. The creator's mandate was for man to dominate the earth uh, and it was established in this this uh, the parameters and with these words, let them rule. And with these words, the creator defined the boundaries of his right to legally interfere in the earth realm. And this is based on God's integrity because God then said, I'm letting you rule everything from here to here and here to here which meant that God was absenting himself. 
That's why God can never make you do things. Because we live in this realm that God defined as free will. You can do what you want. But if you still walk under the dominion and authority of the Holy Spirit, suddenly things start working for you. Just like the horse that wants to be independent has to forage for his own food and find a place to get out of the rain. But if a horse is domesticated and says, that person that gets on me is smarter than me, then the horse don't have to work for anything. They get fed. And trust me, I've owned horses. It's expensive. When they say he eats like a horse, it's true. God, this is real important now. God set himself out. God built a fence. Said that's man's dominion. And I, I want, if you need help, I'm, I'm happy to help, but I'm only a visitor there and you have to let me in. Um, I'm going to say that again. And you have to let me in. The biblical picture in its entirety, Pastor Rich, is one of where he said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Over and over, God is pictured knocking at the door when in truth he could knock down the door. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. He is knocking on the door because he doesn't have authority to get in. The authority is for us on our side. He is knocking on the door because he has authority, but he's, he doesn't have authority. I mean, but he's knocking on the door to ask, can I come in? In the meantime, he still retains the power. Do you understand? God could kick that door down with his little toes. Just bust it. He could kick it down. But he said, I won't because that's yours. You see, when God makes a law, it's not only the law of God, it is also the law for God. God will not break those laws. You want to know something about the Ten Commandments? God will not break those Ten Commandments. They are the law of God. They're also the law for God. And in this case, God fenced off this area and said, mankind, you have dominion in there. I know it's going to get messy. I know you're going to mess up. I'm right outside. You call for me. You ask for me. You open. I'll come in. And he said, I knock on the door. And if any man, say it with me, if. If, if any man will open, then I will come in and I will sup with him. I guess what I want you to know here today, the lock is on your side. I, I, I learned this in such a way, I close, learned it in such a way, you can come play now, wherever. <laughs> learned it that my, my middle daughter, she was three years old and she was, we were happy because she was entering that stage of she wanted to go to the bathroom by herself. How many parents are grateful 
that when those days come. Can I get a real amen? I mean, I mean but you, you love your kids and you'll, you'll change their diapers anyway, but it's, it's, it's oh, happy day when, when you don't have to change the diapers and all that stinky poo. You, you get it. But there's a, there's a transition period. That doesn't happen. They don't immediately one day go from needing their diaper change to you know, knowing how to wipe themselves and how to flush the commode. So there's training and you'd keep doing parts of it. But she'd been doing pretty good, but she saw that when my wife or I went in the bathroom, we closed the door. So then she got on this kick, I want, I want to close the door. Well, can I tell you something? There's few things in your house more dangerous than a three-year-old behind a closed door in a bathroom. Can I get an amen? I'm in my office doing my office thing, and I hear a blood-curdling scream. Tommy, 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 hurry, quick, quick, quick. Bible goes one way. I'm running. I have no idea what's happened. Somebody's died, obviously. And I run down there and I get, I said, honey, what is wrong? And my wife said, she's in there. You got to get her out. I said, she, who, what? Our baby. I mean, Natasha. Yes. Our baby. Like she, she was like, don't you remember we have a baby? I went over to the door and it, sure enough, it was locked. And you know what I heard? I heard the beginning of, uh, my daughter would start up. It's like a, a siren that has, the battery has run low. But then as the battery gets, it gets, gains intensity. And by the time it reaches a screeching howl, uh, cats have hackles up on their back gives you she, it was terrible the way she could cry and I knew exactly what she's doing she's laying on her back and she's just beating her arms you couldn't even talk to her are you locked in don't bring that up anything you did only accelerated the problem and my wife with panic in her eyes my daughter crying on the inside my wife said fix it Get us in. I said, sweetheart, look, it's not quite that easy. This door is a door that it swings away from us. It doesn't swing to us. See, there are no hinges on this side. The hinges are on the in inside. And she said, I don't need a lesson in door engineering. Can you just get the baby out? I said, but sweetheart, you don't understand. If, 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 I, if I, I, could I break it? Yes, I could just throw my number 12s up on there and I could probably break it, but then you'd want me to fix it. She said, yes, exactly right, but fix it. And I, I'm thinking, is there any way? But I can hardly think because of the perseverance of my wife and the screaming of my child. Suddenly, I'm gonna blame it on the Holy Spirit. But suddenly something spoke to me about a possible way to get her out. And so I asked my wife, I said, do you have any chocolate chip cookies? She said, what are you talking about? I said, no, really, I think this might work. Do you have any? And she looked at me as she headed off to the kitchen like, buddy, this better work. You're going to be sleeping somewhere else. 
And she came back with a bag of Chips Ahoy. And I said to my daughter, I, I leaned down and got where I said, Tashi, Tashi. I said, baby, baby, daddy knows you're upset. Look, I got a chocolate chip cookie. I'm sliding it under the door. Next thing I heard is munching, munch, munch, munch. I learned something that day. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a principle, principle of life. You should try it. It is impossible to cry with a chocolate chip cookie in your mouth. I mean, go, go home. Put a chocolate chip cookie in your mouth and see if you can cry. It just, you can't do that. So she eats the chocolate chip cookie, and I'm thinking while she's calmed down, I can start talking to her. So I said, you know the lock that you touched up there? It's okay, baby. We're going to fix it. Here's another cookie, another cookie. And she's eating that cookie. And I said, no, on, the, on that lock. Unfortunately, it's one of those that has, it slides out from the, you know, it's not a button you push or twist. It, it slides. You have to physically slide it out. And I, I said, on the side, there's this little side. And she played. I said, just play with it a little. Oh, I can't, Daddy. I can't. Oh, oh, oh. Here's another cookie, another cookie. As long as I could keep her munching the cookies, I could get through to her. And I told her where to play and what to do. And all of a sudden, I heard click. I said, don't touch it anymore. Don't touch it. I think it, don't touch it. And then the door swings toward her. I said, Daddy, don't want to hit you with the door. Back up, back up. And I swung the door open. She went right past me for her mom. <laughs> but I got my own justice because... She's crying and hugging my wife. My wife had on a beautiful silk blouse. She got chocolate chip cookies smeared all over it. But you know what I, I, I began to think while I was wishing and figuring out a way. I, was, I said to myself, I wish I could become a chocolate chip cookie so that I could go under that door materialize into myself on the other side and then show her how to do it. When God became so frustrated with us not making much progress, he continually sent priests and prophets to us under the door. Here, here, here's a prophet Elijah. Oh, try, try and see if Isaiah can help you. We'd kill him. We'd, this would happen. And we were still locked in the stinky places of our lives. Because we did something we shouldn't have done. And he wanted to help us get out. And so he said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. You see, the only, listen to me carefully. This is the basis. This is the deep truth. The only, say it with me, the only. The only legitimate entry into the world of humanity is through the door of the womb of a woman. I want you, I'm telling you that again. If you're going to be a part of the human race, the only way you are legally entitled to all of the things God has laid out for humans 
is you have to be born and come through the womb of a woman. The Bible said a thief and a robber comes by any other means. Now, the problem was God said, I am going to go under the door. I'm going to, I, I, I'm, I'm going to become the chocolate chip. I know that may not fit your theology, but you understand. He said, and the word became flesh. He went under the door and he became one of us so he could then show us, here's how the lock works. You twist it that way. It's not so hard now. The problem with becoming one of us is he knew that the only exit from that situation just like the only entrance was birth, the only exit was death. And he knew he would have to die, but he came anyway. Not just a chocolate chip cookie, but the Messiah came to show us exactly how to put our hands on the doorknobs of life and how to make things work. He loved us that much. He loves you that much. And that's what prayer is. I believe the reason Jesus came is to teach us to pray because you use your words and words with words he created his world with words you create your world. Words are the doorknob. And how you speak them and where you speak them and what you say determines what you can unlock. Your words. And he tried to teach that to us before he had to exit this planet. He wanted to make sure that we knew how things worked. So I stand here today with simple illustrations about chocolate chip cookies and 10 $1 bills to try to explain the most powerful revelation that I have ever come in contact with. That the lock is on your side. That gives us some, some really powerful things. I wrote this down so I wouldn't mess it up because it's so powerful. I, I, can't, uh, I, can't, I can't mess it up. Here's, here's the principle. God's purpose is more important than our plans. God placed his word above himself. He made a fence that he himself wouldn't cross. God will never violate or break his word. That's why he stands at the door of knock. And the foundation of all of this being secure is God's integrity, that he will never go back on something that he promised. And you know what that means? Here's what that means. I've got to read it to you like this. God did not include himself in the legal authority structure over earth. He, he's out of it. We, we, we're the ones that have that legal authority. Man became the sole, man and woman, became the sole legal steward of the earth domain. Now, here's where it gets powerful. Man and woman, man is a spirit with a physical body. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, really, I'm, I'm a spirit with a physical body. Not a physical body with a spirit. You're a spirit that 
has, with a physical body. You got that? Now listen. A spirit, man is a spirit with a physical body. Therefore, only spirits with physical bodies can legally function on the earth realm. Therefore, any spirit without a body is illegal on earth. Are you, are, do you get it? I know I'm running you late, but tell, any spirit without a physical body is illegal. If a spirit of depression starts hanging around your house, you just catch it and say, hey, what are you doing here? You don't have a physical body. You're illegal here. Quit trying to sneak into my life. Quit trying to sneak into my home. Quit trying to give my daughter depression. I'm telling you, open the door and kick the snot out of him. Why? Because it's a spirit without a physical body. That means that any influence or interference from the, from the supernatural realm on earth is only legal through mankind. Yes. Oh yeah, bad spirits can come do stuff, but that means somebody opened the door. Now, listen. God himself, who is a spirit, without a physical body, is subject to this law. That's why before you can get saved, you have to come stand down here and speak it verbally. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. He's been knocking for a long time. You finally gave him permission. And this also means, I like this. The legal authority on earth is in the hands of hum humankind. The creator will not violate that law of his word. Nothing will happen in the earth realm without the active or the permission of man. That means that the underworld and the dark spirits have no authority on earth. The, the legal authority on earth is solely in our hands. If you catch an illegal spirit... All you have to do is say, hey, you don't belong here. And I'm not trying to preach a political sermon, but I'm just telling you that there are illegal spirits that try to come in and affect you and your family. Yes, there's a door and a law, but they, you leave a window open, they try to get in and try to do everything they can. And by the words of your prayer, you can literally go and say, God, I close this door. God, I stop that influence. God, I, I break that up. Satan tries to sneak his cookies under the door. More likely it's heroin or more likely it's meth or more likely he's trying to do everything he can and, and it's sometimes a full-time fight. But when you find somebody who's a thief, you can tell them, hey, buddy, next time you come, bring seven times more as a gift to me because I caught you. The problem is a lot of us aren't looking 
for the enemy to come sneaking around. But that's just how he comes. And I've just put a weapon in your hand. Everybody say, my hand, my prayers are my weapons. And they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. When you pray, things happen. Say it again. Say it this way. When I pray, things happen. Look at somebody next to you and say that with, with, with strength in your voice. When I pray, things happen. Now give God some praise for it. Did the word of God help you? I gave you a seminaries level class. And I can't do it at every church, but I knew I could do it here because of how great a pastor you got. He has preached the word of God here so faithfully that it lets me come in here and drop an atomic bomb that most churches would just be sitting around and saying, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. But you got it today. And you're going out to give the, it, the, the enemy fits. Come on, Pastor. I want you to do this. When you get home, before you go to sleep tonight, go to every window and every door of your house and just do this. I plead the blood. If you want to anoint him, okay. But just go to every window. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. What are you doing? I am closing the door. When you go to bed at night, do you go check to make sure all the doors are closed? Sometimes you also need to check to make sure all the spiritual doors are closed. And that'll stop some of that influence that's bugging you. And you will be victorious. It's going to be a victory season for this church.